0: guys welcome to the weekly sit down i'm here with mark mark's what's back what's up how you doing
1: doing great living life <laughs> yeah. loving it
0: today we have on russ miller he's a theater operations director and hey russ you're on the air right
2: hi guys yeah thank you good to chat with you
0: all right so do you have a? Uh, don't know how much time you have do you uh what do you have going on
2: uh I'm good for an hour or so. All
0: right, cool. So what exactly does a theatre operations director do?
2: That's a very good question. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's interesting because it actually has a, almost a very different um, feel to it over here in the US. So you can probably tell I'm but I, But uh, in, in the UK, it's very much kind of a little bit of all of the elements of managing the business really um and from a theater perspective that's everything from you know the administration the finance the uh the general operations on the on the shop floor if you like with the you know the stewarding and the safety and the security as well as you know some of the back of house stuff with the technicians and the performers and dealing with the producers and the directors so it's a lot of everything but it, it's um the crossover to here is uh, is a lot more uh, focused on facilities, which isn't a big part of, of you know my general role as I've, I've been doing over the last, however, too many years really.
0: <laughs> too many years.
2: <laughs> <laughs> is right. Try not to give my age away here. Did you get that?
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, a bunch of years. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um. All right. So, how did you get into all this? Like, can we get a little background on? um
2: Yeah. yeah sure. I mean, it's sort of. I kind of have a bit of a theatrical family, as it were. Really. So my you know, my parents, uh, my mum was a, a director and an, an actor, sort of uh, amateur and national level. And then my, my dad's actually still uh, working as a technical um, technical manager in a theatre. So doing all the backstage stuff, you know, lighting and sound and stage management. So I kind of fell into it really just by force of nature, I guess, from from that respect. And, um, you know, I was very lucky. I managed to do some stuff that- I was a child and sort of young adult, if you like, which I love thoroughly, but um, it all got a little bit too much with studies and, you know, needing a proper job. And it's that big sort of dichotomy of, uh, you know, do you sort of risk it and throw caution to the wind and be an actor or do you sort of do other stuff where you can get a guaranteed paycheck? And um, the latter won over and I think much to the delight of my parents because it's a very uncertain life, the acting world. So uh, I kind of fell into you know, just sort of helping out and being stage crew and being a technician and just doing anything and everything really at my local theatre and, um, you know, um, it sort of naturally quite organically fell into getting involved in, you know, the administration and the sort of the theatre management side of things really. So, uh, you know, having having come out of the the study element of that, it became a sort of natural tran- transition into, uh, you know, going up the ladder, owning my stripes as a To become a you know a venue manager, a a general manager in various theaters, and uh, the rest is history, really.
1: So you kind of grew up behind the stage, like at a young age. You probably saw a lot of the operations just from a young age, being a kid around your parents or in the business, basically.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, it's one of those things. If when when you're in the business, it um, you you encounter just make some wonderful friends, and I think that was the the special thing for me was you know just. Make new friends, you know, bit of the action, and you know it's good fun, you know. And and being able to do that, and it, I'm sure, you know, certainly at an early age, I'm sure it kept me out of a whole heap of trouble because you know I spent most of my time, you know, between doing sport and and you know the theatre, and and I'm sure that my parents were glad that you know I wasn't doing other stuff, and and that's one of the things I think probably generally is, is a is a tough thing when you're that. Old, you know, in your early teens or whatever, that there are so many distractions. And for me, the biggest distraction was theatre, and I, I literally couldn't get enough of it. I, whether it was sweeping the stage or, you know, tearing tickets or whatever, it was just I was just glad and excited to be there, really. And um, you know, that was pretty special. And I think that that's certainly what ignited the fire in me to sort of become, uh, you know, a professional at it. And, and and I didn't really know what that was at an early age, of course, but as you start to get ingrained in different areas of the of the business and i was very fortunate i had some amazing people supporting me and you know my my first sort of general manager was and still is a good friend and you know that his bosses were all very supportive and you know helped me put me through college and uh gave me a great opportunity at a very early age to you know take on more responsibility and to learn and grow and you know i will forever remain indebted for that because it's uh, it's been a, a great experience really what was the opportunity
0: that he gave you?
2: Well, I kind of had this, uh, you know, I, I, was, I was looking to go off to university and um, was keen to do that and go and further my studies. But at the same time, I was sort of offered a full-time role as, a, as an assistant manager uh, at my local theater, which was, you know, it's one of those things, isn't it? Should I be paid money and uh, have a proper job at this early age? or should I go off and spend all the money <laughs> and have a constant hangover and do all of that <laughs> at university, which is generally, that's the dichotomy, I think. Um, and I, you know, I, I had some good discussions with them and they very kindly agreed to, you know, put me through a, a more local college and get an education that way um, if I took the job on and, you know, could do a sort of a, a, a day release and some, you know, study from home and uh, and all of that. So they looked after me. Incredibly well and invested hugely in me, and um, you know that's that's the big struggle. I think you know certainly in business these days, where you know everyone's coming out of university and um, you know they, they struggle to be able to get on their feet because they don't have the experience, or you know you're, you're you're getting all the experience, but you don't have the education. So I feel you know very lucky that I was in a, in the right place at the right time, and you know I worked pretty hard to to prove that I was worth that investment, and I think that's the other sort of key part, really, I guess, of the early opportunity was I just wasn't afraid to to work and, you know, whether that was, like I say, you know, sweeping the stage or cleaning the toilet or selling ice creams, whatever, it it was just the willingness and, uh, you know, I was keen to just not let them down, really. So it's been, it was an interesting time.
0: Yeah, I think that's the the thing a lot of parents are worried about with their kids nowadays, like for 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 my parents anyway, like... They were so scared. Like when I wouldn't, I got out of college and I wouldn't get a nine to five. I just can't sit there and work for someone else for whatever, 10 hours. And it's just, uh, my parents are just like, that's all they know. You know, that's all they can. That's what they base off. Like, all right, you're going to go to school. You're going to work nine to five for 40 years, 50 years, and you're going to retire. And then you can do nothing. (laughs) That's not even what I want to do anyway. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> who, who wants to do nothing?
2: No, exactly. And I think it's so hard, you know, in those early early days to really know what your focus is. And again, I think, you know, anyone that can kind of, you know, grab hold of something and go, I love this. I can do this. I believe in this. And it gets you out of bed in the morning and, you know, will make you do 90 hours of work a week if if it needs to happen. I think that's a really precious thing as well, you know, because there's so many things and, you know, the ability to, Jump from business to business is is pretty common now, but to hold on to something and want to be a part of something because you love it that much was was pretty special.
1: Yeah, I could definitely relate to you, especially on the part where um, you know you had the choice of just making money immediately or choosing you know to go to college and, like you said, basically paying money to eventually make more money. And I mean, I, I found myself in that situation, and I feel like there's a lot of people that are. You know, trying make it trying to make that decision whether it's, you know, uh, really important to spend seventy five thousand dollars, put yourself in debt and you know, not necessarily guarantee your job afterwards. So
2: I yeah. definitely see where and, you're coming from with that. And I'd uh, hasten to say that it's a lot more expensive over here. Yeah. <laughs> that's a of horrifying there. So how much?
0: <laughs> well you're you're in New York now, right? Or New Jersey, right?
2: Yeah, that's right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So let's kind of get a timeline. So you, you got that uh, assistant manager position. And where did you go from there? Uh,
2: so I kind of spent a bit of time there and then they sort of transferred me off to some other venues. And I spent sort of three years over in uh, in Devon, which is the West Coast, um, which is a phenomenal place, a great little seaside town in a place called Torquay with some, again, some wonderful people down there that I'm still very close to. And um, think of that, Place and those people very fondly, and learned a lot down there—an an enormous lot there, really. With uh, we had two theatres there at the time, and I was the assistant manager there. And that was kind of like the, uh, you know, the, the, the melting pot for the talent that people were being pushed through there to learn to move on and their own. So uh, I had a few years there, and then moved sort of back further inland to um, to into Kent, which is just outside of London in the south of London. Uh, to a concert venue there and we did some pretty funky stuff there with some, you know, some quite cool bands and lots of conferences and events and dinners and, you know, sort of sports things, boxing nights and what have you, which was, again, a very different different strain of uh, of entertainment for me, really, and um, really interesting to see the concert side of things and get involved in all of that because the dynamics are quite different from sort of regular theatre um and had sort of three years there and then I actually kind of moved companies at that point to um to go up to London I'd always wanted to to work in London and um my my father is from London originally so I'd always had a very sort of special affinity with with London and um I I wanted to work there and managed to uh get my my sort of first venue of my own if you like as a general manager and um moved up there and, and was running a, one of the theatres in the West End, um, that had a sort of a long running show in it at the time. And, um, and then sort of charted the rest of, of my London time running, you know, theatres individually. I ran two theatres separately there for probably five, six years all all told. And then, um, that all went very successfully and we had great shows there and had interesting people along the way in, in those venues. And, um, and yeah, then moved on to become sort of like a, a divisional director, if you like, for uh, the 10 theaters that we had running at the time in the West End, which was uh, a massive massive step and a uh, huge challenge, but uh, again, some very special memories and some you know great results and you know people and all of that sort of good stuff. It was uh, It was quite a journey, quite a journey really for in the theater world it's a, the west End is a is a bit of a, a big deal in the uk you know theatrically professionally, so for me it was a a massive you know massive experience and a a very humbling opportunity to kind of be at the peak of you know the professional theater world really
0: and for <clears throat> so for london like that's the that's the uh, highest right like that's Broadway for new york
2: yeah so so really I mean the two sort of big theater worlds are the uh, Broadway and the west End and there's a lot of product that sort of transfers between the two but invariably that's where it kind of that's where it all is at so yeah it was quite a privilege
0: so you kind of just earned your stripes over there so to say and then we're like all right I'm, I've done as much as I can over here and I'm going to New
2: York no I kind of uh, so I, I mean yes in, in respect of uh, sort of getting through as much as I could do there really I think I'd I'd been there for uh, a lot of years and um, you know we had some big restructures there and at the time the Olympics in the London Olympics was on the agenda and I uh, was fortunate enough to sort of meet some people there and ended up uh, working on that team for almost two years I mean it's a it's a it takes a lot longer to get the Olympics together as you can imagine but the sort of the operational setup of of the games was sort of two just almost two years really of, of sort of uh, operational planning and um, getting the teams all together and Acquiring, you know, the venues, getting the venues prepared, and lots of meetings and paperwork and all of that, and uh, and that that was two years. So um, that was a, a pretty wonderful experience, and uh, yeah, the <laughs> hardest work of my life. It was a it was a, a very different beast to um, to the theatre world, but a very similar a very similar thing as well. You know, in respect of the, the venues, you're moving from theatres which typically are you know a thousand, maybe two thousand. 3,000 seats to, you know, arenas and stadiums that are anywhere between, you know, 15 to 70,000 seats. So the scale is, is bigger, but the principles are the same in many respects.
1: So you had a lot of coordination responsibilities with the Olympics? Is that mostly what you were doing?
2: Yeah. So basically, the I was one of the, we have a number of sort of venue general managers, they're called, and they, they essentially are responsible for a, an individual venue or, or a community and, you know, the, the idea is that you pull the team together, um, department heads, if you like, that kind of have a nominated responsibility for certain things, be it, you know, catering or cleaning, broadcast, um, event services, those sorts of things. And the venue general managers are really kind of running each venue as, a, as their own business, as their own event, um, to make sure that all of those departments kind of are tuned in together and you know there's a there's a lot of people there's i think at the venue i was at um there was sort of 12 just over 1200 people on the team including volunteers so and you know they all come together at a very short space of time it's a very short event really it's not um it's not a permanent full-time thing so you know you're bringing in these people and volunteers and they it's a masterful business really in in terms of how they do it they bring people in at the sort of the peak of their game you know parachute them in at you know, two years out or a year out, six months out. uh, And because everybody is so very good and so professional and diligent, everybody comes in at sort of sprint pace and just very quickly picks up with what everybody else is doing and everything sort of gels together. And, you know, there's a lot of challenges and, you know, a lot of uh, budget needs to be met and, you know, contractual needs to be met and stakeholder relationships to be considered. But because you have such an amazing team and I was blessed I think we all were to, to many extents, but I was certainly blessed with uh, a wonderful supporting team immediately. And, um, and then, you know, the, the broader team that came on for the actual event time as well were, were just phenomenal and um, quite an experience really for uh, exhausting, <laughs> as you can imagine, jumping yeah. from, you know, uh, event to event. and um, But yeah, something certainly, certainly very special.
1: So working for the Olympics the one time in London does that mean that you can be involved with them at any point in any other Olympics and you know uh, future I years? think that was the case.
2: Um, I think you know the, the the basis of it is it's a very specific and clear model. It's it's they call it the greatest show on earth because it is huge and I think the um you know it's broadcast to something like 2 billion people at any given time. It's phenomenal. And because of that the model is so specific that um you know, with the infrequency of of the games, it's not a yearly thing, as you know, and um you know being able to you know use that experience is certainly something that I know when I was going through the recruitment process, um you know we were very keen to bring on anybody that had any you know background to any of the other you know Olympic events that have happened over 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 the generations that were available to us so um, you know, there's a lot of stuff happening in the future, and um, you know, I, I think it definitely is advantageous to have had the experience um, and be able to transfer them because they do. The committee have this sort of template model that they just sort of uh, graft onto the the new, um, you know, the, the, the new um, host, if you like, and uh, with that they sort of make sure that that you're meeting the milestones and that you're going to deliver accordingly to, to, you know, what was agreed um, and what they know, you know, they know how it should be done. So they're the best people to, to decide whether you're on track or, or not really. And um, that's the precious thing is that that's, you, that transferable model allows people to come in very quickly and just pick up on an established process because everybody's new, you know, and, and that's the, um that's the beauty of a, of a very, you know, well, endured uh, model is that, that you don't have to necessarily have had all that experience, but it absolutely helps.
1: Now, working in London and working in New York, they're obviously two different markets. Um, do you prefer one over the other? Do you, you have you know, pros and cons to each?
2: I mean, uh, they're, yeah, they're very different and, and I, I, I love them both in different ways, really. I think the experience has been um, an eye-opener for me over here. I think it's been, a um, you know, it, it, working on Broadway has only ever, as with the West End, really been a dream for me and and um, to be able to, you know, meet the industry professionals and work with you know, wonderful people that really know the craft and, and what needs to be done to make, you know, each show a success and to run the buildings safely and successfully um, has been... A commonality between the two. I think, really, for me, you know, coming to New York was my first ever um, move out of the UK. So uh, I was sort of grappling, if you like, to sort of climatize to, to that, you know, the cultural differences and what have you, albeit, you know, no real language uh, uh, differences there, other than when I had some time in Brooklyn, that felt like a little bit of a different language there. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's a whole different language over uh, it's there It's
2: such a cool place, you know And I've, I've just loved every minute of being out here Every, You know, everybody's so friendly and charming And contrary to all of the, uh, you know, all, all of the comments That, oh my god, New Yorkers are so rude I, I haven't found that at yeah, all really. I, I was I've, just, observed, I've certainly observed some of it But um, <laughs> as far as my own personal experience is concerned Everyone's been, you know, wonderful And, you know, I feel very happy and comfortable and settled here Which is great
0: I was gonna say, like that goes against uh, the whole stereotype of New Yorkers being, being uh, mean guys, and
2: it's yeah. It's- I mean, you know, it's busy cities, right? I mean, it, it, London is probably not much different. Everybody still avoids eye contact on the on the tube, and <laughs> nobody has any real conversations. And yeah, it's it's the city. Right uh, I think personally, London feels so similar to new york but it feels a little um we kind of laugh about it calling it new york light because it's just a you know it's it's similar but it's just slightly less crazy and slightly less big and (laughs) frenetic uh, yeah i love them both both wonderful places have you guys been over to london
0: never 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 i would love to
2: yeah
1: come on
0: yeah what am i doing here (laughs) <laughs> I want to <laughs> eventually want to take the podcast on the road and just do like mobile podcasts all over the world.
1: Hey, I want to go everywhere. That would be immense.
0: Yeah. You mentioned actually something funny about um, everyone avoiding eye contact um, yep. over here. So my friend and I sometimes will go in and do like a social experiment at Starbucks and we'll see how many people actually look at us. Like we'll look at them as they walk in. And just like stare at them until they make eye contact, <laughs> and we did it with we did it with thirty people, and only five people gave us eye contact, wow. and only fi- two of the five said hello. Like we were trying the well, goal. The goal was to say hi, you know, like to that's just all you were trying to do, yeah, just get say a hi, just get get a hello.
2: And did he, they only say hello to you as they were introducing you to your police officer? <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> oh. Yeah. No. No one. No one likes to look people in the eye here for some reason i I don't know if it's just here but i feel like i've I've been in california and people are a lot nicer over there
2: yeah everything's a bit more mellow over there isn't
1: it yeah i lived in colorado also for a little while as well and i kind of feel the same way i mean i don't know i've lived in new york pretty much my whole life and i i always tend to think that people just are you know everybody's just wrapped up in their own lives here everybody's just in a rush everybody you know has places to be has places to go but when i lived in colorado I, even the first day i was there i was looking up at a street sign and i had a lady walk up to me and be like oh do you need help do you need to know where you're going and i was like where am i this is not <laughs> new york you know yeah. so it's just it's just a little bit of a different lifestyle everybody just kind of cares more about other people i guess <laughs>
2: i don't know yeah Doesn't it make you want to be nicer, though, when people are... Oh, for sure. uh, It kind of makes me, you know, go the other way, really. Absolutely,
1: yeah. And it just makes you feel better, you know, when you have more personal contact and just more social interactions. It just always feels better, you know, you feel more involved.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Walking around yeah. Manhattan, like you can just, they're not, no one's saying anything, but you know, they're like, all right, move, like in their heads, like move, move. I have important stuff to do. It's more important than what you're doing. Yeah, I got to, exactly. I got to keep yeah. walking faster, <laughs> get, get to and, where and, I do. And
2: that's before you even start in the, uh, on the roads with the traffic and the cars and the, oh my goodness, that's, oh, that's yeah. certainly very different to London.
0: Oh, I was going to say like, how is, uh, was that transition for you? Do you draw? you don't drive around the city, do you?
2: No, I don't at the moment. I mean, I I can drive, but I haven't really driven other than a few sort of rental car um, escapades out to the sticks. But um, no, and I you know the, the few times that I've been through uh, Manhattan in the car has just been like no, I I, I take my hat <laughs> off to the Uber drivers because I think you know you've got to have so much patience and you know can be so cool and calm with uh, dealing with that every day. Yeah, um, I don't know
1: how they do that. Oh yeah, the yeah. cab drivers. Oh man. They'll it's just,
0: talent. talent yeah. and you know what is so shocking like I don't think I've ever seen an accident in Manhattan you know like driving by and no one on the side of the road like with a fender bender or yeah, anything yeah you
1: definitely it like, a lot more
0: oh my god yeah. I would think I every- guess nobody
2: wants to be hit but <laughs> if you drive it like you've stolen it then it's gonna it's hard to avoid
1: a little ding doesn't exist in Manhattan. If you, you get a little ding, it's like, no, just keep going. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. As long as that little ding isn't a person, that's cool. Yeah.
0: Yeah, even still, I bet you they still go. <laughs> so, yeah. As
2: no, you the news all the time, right? It's just like, why? How would you do that? It's crazy.
0: I only nipped his arm. He's fine. Like, I just keep going. Like <laughs> It's just an arm. <laughs> just a flesh wound. Um, all right. So to go back to the Olympics when you were working over there, were you working with athletes directly at all or was it kind of just behind the scenes stuff getting everything
2: set up I mean a little bit of everything I mean the 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 athletes have sport competition managers that sort of look after them and you know the the sort of the governing bodies make sure that they set you know a very clear standard of, of what's expected and the sport competition managers make sure that you know that they bring that into the plans for us to deliver but you know I think you know the athletes spend so much time preparing for their events that they are kind of from the get go really it's drilled into everybody on the team that you know that the athletes whether you meet them or not um you know are the focus and are the sole reason that everybody is there and so the idea really is to not influence them not not to um you know distract them from what they're there to do um and really to provide them with the very best opportunity to deliver, you know, their event, their sport result and to allow them to take home, you know, the gold medal that they've been training for if they're destined to do that. And um, there are so many variables to to that that we needed to really, you know, put drill into the team from the get-go because, you know, whether it's, you know, someone that is responsible for, you know, cleaning their dressing room areas or, you know, the, the medal ceremony people or, or the, the, anybody, in any level, everybody had a part to play to make sure that had something to be about. And that was delivering, you know, their event at that time. Um, so, you know, it was, it was never really on the cards that there'd be this sort of huge sort of um, big sort of family feel about, you know, everybody working closely together, you know, as, as athletes and, stewards or whatever because you know they're there to do a job and and they've been training for years for that one moment and depending on the sport that can be you know a few seconds or you know be over a a period of minutes hours or indeed days so you know there's so much that rides on that And, and our team was so professional they really worked hard to make sure that there was you know the attention to detail was was first class and that the athletes had a superb time and uh you know that everybody could enjoy the venue both from a, a broadcast perspective watching it on the television or you know from a live audience point of view of those spectators that were attending it the events you know day by day in live in the stands so um it, it all worked well on that basis but it was it had to be you know we had to be pretty clear about that because you know that's the only reason why we were there.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> you mentioned um you played sports. What uh? Would you play growing up rugby or anything like
2: that? Uh, yeah, a little bit of everything, really. I, I I suppose I played a lot of everything, and I'm not so sure that I was that good at any of it. But (laughs) I played a lot of it, so I guess I tried my hand at a lot of things. But um, yeah, I did all sorts as a kid. I mean, I did a bit of judo and um, some a lot of rugby. I still like rugby a lot, but um, the bones are, are harder to recover now. So that doesn't happen so much, but, um, yeah, cycling and surfing and never really got into soccer, which is a really frustrating thing for every American that I meet over here that is into Manchester United, which is most of the population of Manhattan. Yeah. Um,
0: soccer is getting a lot bigger over here now.
2: Yeah, sure. yeah. Sorry. Soccer. I should, I should turn it right as well. Shouldn't I? Sorry. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, it's massive. And, uh, I, I followed it as a, as a kid, but never really, uh, Rugby sort of took over everything, really, as I as I was getting older. You guys, big uh, rugby fans or soccer fans?
0: Uh, I'm not really too big in the soccer, but I have a lot of friends who are. Uh, Rugby, on the other hand, I don't think anyone really is. Yeah, rugby's
1: not too big over here. Yeah, Um, I mean, no, I found that. I do have a lot of soccer fan uh, soccer friends. That love watching soccer. I mean, I I watch soccer here and there. I'm not necessarily hugely into it. Outside
0: the World Cup, I don't know. I don't really watch. Yeah, but I mean, it's really exciting. The World Cup. Every goal is just huge, so it gets everyone pumped. Yeah, the soccer fans are the craziest fans on earth. I think you know, like I've seen them just take down fences and like start fires (laughs) in the stands. (laughs) Yeah. yeah.
1: Have you gotten into any uh, American sports like um, American football or baseball or anything like that? Uh,
2: Well, when you say getting into, (laughs) I mean, I've definitely, I'm giving it a go. I, I, you know, I'm very keen to get involved and kind of see what's happening. So I've been to a few, uh, to a couple of American football games um, and I went to a, uh, a Yankees game, which was pretty cool. And I've been to see the Nets play as well. So, um, yeah, it's great. I, I liked a bit of basketball when I was a kid, so I can relate to that a bit more. Um, baseball is very similar to cricket. Obviously different, but similar. And I've never been a big cricket fan, but baseball, that I, I really enjoyed the uh, the atmosphere. Um, I mean, I, I think any arena, sort of sports set up like that is is pretty good. Um, but I did actually see the USA rugby team play Ireland over at the MetLife uh, last year, which was really cool, actually. So there is rugby here. Go, go find it, fellas. It's good. It's worth it. <laughs> There's I, no pads. It's amazing. Oh yeah, it's full no contact. Helmets. Full
0: contact. I've I've watched rugby. I just haven't. I don't. I don't know one rugby athlete. Like I can't name one. But yeah, I mean, I I mean, mean. it's I, it's fun to watch. I have no clue what the rules are. <laughs> <laughs> I just yeah. see like everyone freaking crushing each other.
2: But that's very yeah, it's much peaceful. What are it's they? Well, I, I'm still grappling to get my head around it the American football rules. So I, I feel you're paying. There's a lot of
1: them. There's definitely a lot of rules yeah. in football.
2: Well,
0: American football now, like they, they'll play in London every couple of weeks, right. Or something like that.
2: Yeah. It's a, it's a, well, I think over the summer, it's a, they shut down uh, Regent street now just off Piccadilly. And, um, you know, they, they make it a huge, big sort of uh, fan area and uh, lots of inflatables and, you know, things to, you know, do there and food and drinks and all that sort of stuff. So it's, it's definitely getting bigger. And I think they, they play at Wembley Stadium now as well, I think, quite regularly as a part of that whole experience. So, um, you know, there's, there's definitely a, a bigger appetite for it. But, um, you know, soccer's without a doubt the, the big sport over in the UK, really. And they just call it
0: football, right? Yeah. yeah. So, so they just call American football, American football? That's it. So I'm going to see an American football game that's it <laughs> it's kind of weird it's not like when, it's not like yeah, there's a
2: big debate about that we don't need to get into that <laughs> <laughs> too, too much politics
0: yeah no do you I... guys
2: going back to theater bit do you guys do theater much do you, do you go and watch anything ever
0: or I've seen a lot of Broadway shows I've seen Wicked I've seen Lion King I've seen Aladdin I've seen Jekyll and Hyde back in the day I don't that's gone now um i've seen wicked twice but i mean i love going to broadway shows they're freaking awesome i i just it's uh i respect people the actors because it's it's a lot of pressure being up there i would guess
2: you know yeah for sure (laughs) i mean i've seen a couple especially these shows that are running for you know forever and they're doing eight shows a week so you know, and you're delivering the same thing every every performance. It's uh, that's, that's quite a, quite a demand.
0: Yeah, Cats. That was another one I saw back in the day. I think it's back now, though. It was gone and then it came back. Yeah, I think so. It was old romantic. Yeah,
1: I was running forever that show.
0: Yeah, yeah. Right. that was the longest one. Yeah. What did you say you've seen some more?
1: Yeah, I mean, I've seen a couple of Broadway plays. Um, I I think even when we were in school, like we took a, a field trip or something like that to a play or two. Um, but when I was younger, I did a couple plays myself where I was you know oh, acting and you know i 'm talking about maybe when I was like nine or ten years old <laughs> but um I okay. always loved coming it out I, now come on I, I, us the details. <laughs> I really did i really I loved it. I remember I did a play about um a kid that was scared to go to the dentist or something like that, and you were the I was, kid I, I was the kid yeah I was the kid. <laughs> um, but this is this is back when I lived in Queens, actually, but I loved it I really did i i I was the kind of person where I knew everybody's line, so I just learned the entire script, and if somebody was missing on their line, I would be whispering it in their ear because I knew the whole script. Like I, okay. I, I just got into it, delved into it, and just did not stop. So uh, I don't know. I kind of got away from it as I got older, but it, it was totally interesting to me, and I really loved it when I was younger. Why
0: did you stray from it?
1: I don't know. Maybe I just got older, started liking sports more. I mean, I don't know. I just yeah. it just never Derek Jeter. got back into it. I guess maybe when I moved mm. to Long Island also, there's a lot less plays here. Like when I lived in Queens, there was a play basically like every, you know, every other quarter, you know, mm. when you're in school. So um, it was almost like a requirement to be part of the play in some, some fashion, you know, out here, it's not necessarily like that. It's If you're interested in theater, you're a part of the theater club, and then you do the play. Over there is kind of when you're younger, you're a part of the play, no matter what.
0: Yeah, I was I was in the Wizard of Oz when I was a kid, and uh, my dad made the house for uh, Dorothy. You know, like he made it on stage, and he wanted to uh, like lift the actual house into the air, (laughs) and then they wouldn't allow it. They (laughs) like that's too much. It's not safe. (laughs)
2: What was your part though? What did what part did you play in the Wizard
0: of Oz? I was a monkey, one of the flying monkeys. I didn't I didn't really have any lines. I just was like uh ooh ooh uh like <laughs> you know like <laughs> no
2: no lines. Well, you can put a lot of thought and feeling into that. So don't underestimate the monkey.
0: I liked the costume. It was a nice costume. I had wings, you know. I I was in full full makeup. It was nice. Did did you uh you said you acted or you just always been behind the scenes?
2: No, I did some acting when I was I really, I kind of. I think I did my first thing at nine, and then I kind of got a little bit of a taste for it. I think at that age, you know, it's just about showing off, really, and being able to be silly and, you know, be a different character, and it was fun, you know. And then I, I managed to uh, get a a gig that, probably twelve, that I got paid for, which I thought was, I thought all my Christmases had come at once. It was, you know. It wasn't crazy money. I think I got maybe like 150 pounds or something, which, you know, again, don't get me wrong, at 12 was was still not a small amount of money, but certainly wasn't gonna. I wasn't about to retire. <laughs> it wasn't like a Macaulay Colkin type thing, but um, <laughs> it was a taste of, of uh, you know, of what it was like to to do it at a professional level, and I I really enjoyed it, and um, so I did a few things and did some other stuff and. Uh, thoroughly enjoyed it but I think you know similar to you it's kind of one of those things where as you start getting older you know your priorities change a little bit and when you're doing that sort of stuff there's a huge demand on your time and on your commitment and you know I certainly you know completely got to that point where it was you know wanted to do stuff with my friends or you start getting girlfriends or doing other things with sport or school or whatever and it was it just became you know less of a priority but I always still had that kind of Affinity to the theatre, and I think probably getting involved at the actual venue sort of probably overtook, um, you know, my passion of being on stage. And there was so much more to learn, you know, that having a go at designing the lighting or operating the follow spots or stage managing a show was just like wow. (laughs) And you know, to be able to do all that sort of stuff at you know 15, 16 was crazy, um, but you know. Uh, just very different really and i think just been very lucky for for that experience but um yeah
0: girls it's always girls always throw you off course
2: <laughs> it is the root of all evil yeah go. right
0: <laughs> it, it really is it's like you you could be like the best athlete and then it's like you just go way downhill because of a girl <laughs>
2: <Like> <laughs> <your>
1: tiger woods
0: <laughs> oh my god tiger woods a perfect example <laughs> not even a girl like 50 girls <laughs>
2: I think mean, that's quite an extreme example, but yeah. I, yeah, that was crazy. All of that going on,
0: I know. And now his career is
2: over, pretty much. I was going to say he's he's laid up, right? He's uh, supposedly I mean, also... he's
1: trying to make a comeback. Um, I, I've read a couple of things where he's, you know, he's had a bunch of surgeries and stuff, but supposedly he's he's practicing and um, a couple of guys around golf said he's looking pretty good, but you know, we'll they see. Actually, so him. It
2: comes. he what? As if they can rebuild him. Then, it's the only way right when you've been that operating at that sort of level and yeah. putting your body through that much stress that's uh he'll that's be hard back. to maintain
0: he'll be back i was reading an article today that's saying the millennials will live till they're like 120 years old so yeah yeah we'll be all right he'll he'll, he'll make it back he'll be he'll live till like he's 115 and then you know he'll break their records yeah,
1: he has enough money yeah, where he can uh, basically buy his age, right? <laughs> yeah,
0: he'll just like build. He'll, he'll be a cyborg. He'll just make his whole body like his knees are all just gonna be <laughs> just robot knees, and it, he'll he'll have like an asterisk next to everything because he's half robot. All <laughs> <laughs> like, his records. So
1: would you be open to maybe taking like an actor's position a little bit later in life now that you've done the whole behind the scenes thing? Is it something that you'd be interested in getting, you know, back into, or is that like off the table?
2: Um, no, it's, it's actually not. I mean, I, I've, it's something that I've always, you know, loved. It's, it's always been something that I, you know, have kind of kept an eye on and um, you know, I, I I do feel that it's sort of a, you've got to kind of give it your all to make it a success. And um, I don't think I'm sort of ready to be a, a full-time actor, but, you know, I think the experience, and particularly now that I'm, I was going to say older, but I think probably old is enough to say, uh-huh. you know, in my 40s, I can kind of feel now that I could have a go at something like that and, and probably, you know, enjoy it a lot more, um, you know, being less susceptible, I think, to probably take the... Uh, personalities that kind of can run quite uh fiercely when you're a kid and, and you're sort of susceptible to the uh, uh to all of that so i i yeah i would never i'd never rule it out um and I, i'd sort of do a bit of voiceover work as just a sort of a, a sideline that i've been doing for some time really is just sort of an interest really in a little bit of something extra to do to keep me uh, on top of things but you know with with the sort of work that i'm in you you do a lot of sort of speaking and, you know, um, having to present or having to get teams together and, you know, do all of that and a little bit of the public speaking side of things and, you know, speaking to kids at colleges and, you know, people at dinner or whatever. It's, um, you know, it's quite regular. So I I kind of feel like I've never really completely separated away from that. Um, But it's nice to, you know, not have to worry about doing anything That's sort of too much in the limelight for that. And certainly, you know, having worked in theatre for so long and and got to know a few people, you know, that are professional and are are sort of recognisable on the street, you you can sort of see what a struggle that must be at times. And I think that would be, certainly for me, not really what I'd be looking for. (laughs) Um, I quite like my uh, anonymity, really, in that respect
0: acting is one of those jobs that's ageless there's always going to be a role for you no matter if you're 90 years old or if you're 10 years
2: old you know there's always an act there's always a yeah. role out there Yeah, that's a good point oh completely and there's you know there's so it just seems to be that there's so many talented actors out there at the moment as well you know and uh you sort of i do often see some of these movies that are on and just be like wow that's that's a real talent there and that's um you know that's that's a gift when when you can be someone like i don't know to like Tom Hardy or whoever—it's almost like a chameleon that can just, you know, turn from one character into another and be almost unrecognizable. And that, for me, is is what it would have to be. That's 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 the sign of uh, of, a, of a real artist. There, that's amazing.
1: What kind of voiceover work did you do?
2: Well, not loads. That's that's it. I, I haven't been sort of doing that, you know, as a full time job. But um, you know, just stuff. I did some stuff for a denim firm and. Um, I did some stuff at the BBC years ago. Um, you know, nothing, nothing, you know, that I'd sort of been able to, uh, again, retire on, but it's just, it's just been an interesting thing. And I found it, you know, I, I did, I trained for it and I've enjoyed that massively. It's, it's been a, again, it, it is a craft. It, it It is a lot more, um, detailed and, and, um, you know, harder work than I ever thought it would be, honestly speaking, to be able to deliver it properly. But, um, yeah it's been great fun and you know i can sort of pick and choose what sort of pieces i'm interested in you know, is pretty good for, for those sort of gigs as well so it's it's all interesting stuff so i think that was my agent calling trying to book me
1: in. <laughs> <laughs> i think let's see we're getting a phone call we're good yeah. all right um so you never did any like um like cartoon voiceovers or anything like that
2: no um, you know I, I've been sort of looking at the animation stuff I mean there's so many different areas right now and i'm 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 sort of exploring those avenues It's been mainly kind of you know uh, adverts and um, you know sort of commentaries and, uh, and and the like really so it's interesting and you know there's so so much and so again so many talented people out there that that, that really do all of that very well so it's very very much down to you know what the uh what what you sound like and if you if you hit the right note and and the sort of sound that the person wants for whatever the gig might be really so um yeah that's quite interesting but again it's you know it's been, it's been very much a sideline but uh, I, I'm always keen to keep involved in it and I still train regularly to make sure that I'm current and you know able to do that whenever whenever it's required so it's uh yeah it's interesting do you write it
0: all do you do you any writing?
2: you know i haven't I, I quite like the idea of it because i'm i quite like but I, again it's and, you know the certainly since i've been over here as well you know it's been such a uh, a busy time you know and um it, you sort of struggle to uh between trying to sort of live life <laughs> and all the sort of the life admin, if you like, of uh, keeping everything in order and, and then getting home and, you know, getting some time to yourself. It's kind of hard to keep all those plates spinning sometimes, but, um, you know, work being, you know, the absolute priority, obviously, and trying to, you know, get as much of, a, of this other stuff in as, as much as possible is, uh, can sometimes be a challenge. And, um, yeah, but... yeah. Never
0: I hear you on that. On I like that analogy, spinning spinning plates. I like that. We uh, I feel what you're saying because I've been I've have my hand in a little bit of everything right now, and it's like, a, am I spreading myself too thin, or am I doing it just right? And I kind of feel like I'm balancing it well, but I feel like maybe I should put more of my time into one thing and then maybe grow that and then go back. It's it's, it's a, a fine line. It's a fine line. Yeah. It's
2: yeah. And that sort of that prioritisation of of you know what is getting traction against you know what you're most passionate about and you know it, it's a, it is an interesting position to be in and, and to try and you know lever the things that you you want to have levered and again it goes back to what we were saying earlier. if you're passionate about something and you believe in it then you'll put the extra hours in to, to get it achieved and 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 to to deliver it and that's um, You know that's a great thing, and and I certainly—it sounds like you guys are too. But you know, it sounds like we're all on the same page in terms of being able to do things that we love and that we're passionate about. And because I think the more of that that you do, it just doesn't feel like work. You know, you can you can immerse yourself in something twenty-four-seven because you believe in it, and you and you you know you, you don't mind eating it and sleeping it and breathing it.
0: That's a common theme amongst all of our guests, where everyone's just trying to find a way to not work, and it's just you're having fun to make money.
2: That's yeah. I mean, I I, I think I'd find it uh, the sort of the prospect of retirement. My my dad's just gone through it. Actually, he's finally decided that he's going to retire, and uh, and it's been a really hard process for him because he's he's just he loves it still, um, but he's also getting to that point where his you know his health and his life balance isn't what it should be. And, and, you know, I, I think certainly now I'm, I'm absolutely not looking to, you know, not work, but I, I think having that, when you get to that position, when you're, you know, you're in your twilight years, if you like, that you, you kind of get to a point where you need to hang it up. That must be a, a hard decision to make, but I certainly, you know, love getting out of bed every morning and sitting down and seeing what's ahead of the day. And, you know, it's, it's, It's
1: a great feeling. Yeah, I know for myself personally, I mean, there's plenty of things I'm passionate about and there's plenty of things that I love doing. It's just a matter of finding those things that you can turn into basically a career, make money doing that. And that's kind of where I find my struggle a little bit is, you know, doing things that I love to do, but also... Trying to make a career, or you know, a job, or just to yep. make money doing
0: it—that's the common. I ask a lot of people, "What, what do you love to do? What do you like to do?" And it's a lot of people, surprisingly, are just like, "I don't know."
1: Yeah,
0: you know, like, what are your, what do you like to do, and what could you see yourself doing for the rest of your life and enjoying it? And a lot of people don't have an answer to that, and it, it was hard for me to find, like, podcasting. Like, oh, I love doing this. I just love talking to people, but. If you, there's a job where you could just talk to people and meet them, and like it's very rare to have a conversation with someone for that you don't even know for over an hour, forty five minutes, whatever, mm-hmm. and just sit down and talk about each other, what you guys like to do, like no one just sits down and does that anymore, unless it's their you're friends with them.
1: Yeah, I think that's one of the well, most important things to cultivate as. You know, a young adult or things that we learn in school mostly. I feel like most of them we don't necessarily use that much, but I feel like something that should be taught more is to just explore your passions and explore what you love to do because that's at the end of the day going to make you the most fulfilled. I feel like. Mm -hmm.
2: Completely. I think we can probably all count on one hand the amount of times that we've had to do any algebra. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) right. All that sort of stuff, you know, and you think, well, actually, exactly what you're saying, you know, there's so many life skills that you know would be really beneficial to get under your belt at a a really early age to you know if nothing else to help you tune into what your real strengths are and that isn't necessarily about whether you can you know write essays or or you know add up it's you know what makes you tick are you a people person are you a communicator are you an artist you, you know all of those things if you can Focus that. And I guess that's about, I'm sure that I know that there are great teachers and, and leaders out there that focus in on, you know, young people in, in that sort of way going through that element of learning and study. But that's a special quality, I think, when you can nurture that and, you know, and realize it at an early age, because um, I think it does make it easier when you get to a point where you want to say, you know, what, I love this, but how do I monetize it? How does that, how is that going to be something that can be just more than my hobby? Um, but I guess it also begs the question if you turn a hobby into you know, your your full occupation, um, do, you, do you lose a little bit of the of the special uh, mm-hmm. shine that that comes with that what, what do you think?:
0: I think it comes down to just one question of how do you like to express yourself, and no matter what it is, forget about how to make the money and just do that. Do whatever it is and just keep doing it. Stay consistent and you will eventually make money from it. And that's what I think.
1: Yeah, I mean, to to answer your question, I think... Uh, like, I, I don't know. It's tough because I, I think if you do something for too long, of course it's going to lose its luster a little bit. You know, even if it is something you're passionate about, it's just, you know, the nature of life that, you know, eventually everything becomes commonplace. But I think... If you're going to be doing something for 30 or 40 years, the best case scenario is to do something that you love doing, because even if it does lose a little luster, it's still going to be better than anything else that you would have done, you know, forcing yourself to go to a 9-to-5 job, or even if the thing you love doing is 9-to-5. I mean, at the end of the day, you're probably still going to lose a little bit, but I think it's still going to be worth it.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. Are you are you familiar with um, Alan Watts, Russ? I'm not, no. Oh he's a he's a british philosopher he died in like the 70s 1975 i think but that was one of the big things that he would preach what i just said learn how to make work play and if you could figure that out then you have life figured out so uh, he's like one of these one of my favorite philosophers he uh he moved from britain to la no san francisco and then uh he just became a public speaker and if you look him up, I mean, I'm sure you'd love what he talks about. It's it's kind of right up the Yeah, alley. check it
2: out, for sure. Yeah, I, I, it's interesting stuff. Yeah. And I'm sure there's, there's never an answer <laughs> completely right, but it's, uh, it's an interesting talking point. For
0: sure. Um, all right, so just to get back to the timeline. So you finished up the Olympics, and then from there you came to New York?
2: Yeah, so, I mean, I think, um, you know, the Olympic bubble burst and everybody was sort of, uh, you know – finished roughly the same sort of time I, I was in a I finished up in a sort of a resilience team that sort of supported some of the other venues in um in the Paralympics which sort of is on the back of the the Olympic event so um, we were all pretty burnt out after that so we took a little bit of time off and you know took some time and it, obviously everybody's looking for work so you know uh, everybody moves on there's kind of this sort of carousel if you like of different events be it Commonwealth Games or uh, you know, Winter Games or whatever. So, you know, there's there's generally other sports events happening, and so, you know, the competition really was on in terms of what what to get into and and who was getting those jobs first. And a lot of people were actually leaving the Olympics early because they were being given other gigs and they didn't want that whole, you know, competitive, you know, few months after the after the games of not having any work and what have you, which is a huge shame. I think you know you you miss the whole. Like, and you, your friend, this amazing experience. But you know, you've secured yourself another gig, and you know, I, that's you know, it's all down to the individual. But I, I took some time off, and I, I kind of detoxed from two years of, of pretty constant, um, full-on work, really, and um, and then did a bit of consultancy work. I, I did some work for Ticketmaster back in the UK, and some consultancy for a, a, an events company that were doing some. Uh, work, sort of feasibility work for the Mayor of London, uh, for kind of a, a Games Makers event, which was a follow-up to the uh, to the Olympic Games for all of the uh, volunteers. So that was um, that was quite interesting. And then I kind of did some work for some private equity firms that were looking to buy theatres. And as a result, I kind of fell back into the theatre world um, and came back to work for the company that I'd left to go to the Olympics for. Um, really just on the basis that they started to buy theatres out in the US um, and uh, they needed someone to come over and set the venues up and just sort of troubleshoot and sort some problems out and uh, get the businesses sort of running and functional and uh, you know start to uh, get, get things on track and since you know that was sort of three years ago and uh, at the time I came over we had one theatre and now there are seven so they're Really galloping forward into uh, acquisitions and uh, sort of business, you know, very interesting product that's being sort of fed through. Um, So it's been, yeah, it's been an interesting time. And again, you know, the differences from here to there, you know, from London to to New York, in in that respect, have been, um, you know, that takes a little while to kind of work that out and to. You know, understand the dynamics of not just the business, but the people. You know, there's there are cultural things that need to be adapted and adapted to rather. Um, so that was a you know one of the first big challenges as to, to what to push back on and what to embrace. Um, but you know, just been very lucky really with you know good people that sort of support that and can see you know the the steps being made forward um, and the sort of the, the the unity that we got together really with people working and creating, you know, pretty special yeah, experience for the theater goers really. Did you have
0: something lined up before you came here or did you just come here and go for it?
2: In respect of sort of living? Yeah. Uh, no, it was, I, I'd actually, when I came back to the business, I was running um, I think 12 or 13 theaters in, in the south of England for the company um, until there was an opening in New York, and they sort of done this all on the basis of, you know, can, can you go in here, sort this out, and then in some, we're going to need you to go to New York. So that was pretty much what happened oh. to that deadline, really. So, um, so I was kind of coming and going um, a lot, really, just sort of uh, you know observing and seeing what was happening with the business over here to be able to you know get things finalised and be able to be here full-time and, and, you know, take things, uh, ahead in, in that direction. So yes. it's been a wonderful journey. I've loved every, every minute of it and feel very, very fortunate to have the opportunity. You know, it's a very special industry and, um, you know, it's easy to, uh, to, to sort of turn up every day and, you know, just be, you know, plowing through the work and getting it done. But every now and then it's kind of good to smell the roses and realize that, you know, it's, it's a very specific and different industry and, you know, I feel very blessed to have been here and worked with, again, some amazing people, but uh, experience Broadway, you know, it's, uh, there's no other place like it, really.
0: Are are you uh, directly working on Broadway or anything off Broadway?
2: Yeah, it's been on Broadway. So uh, when I got here, we opened up uh, with a show called On the Town, and um, that ran uh, for a year and a bit. And then uh, we previously had Spider-Man turn off the Dark. Oh, uh, And so that was a huge show, and that took a couple of years for that to sort of uh, be dismantled and refitted. And the new show came in, and then um, On the Town uh, unfortunately didn't win it. Tony Awards was nominated. I think had it won some Tony's, it would have run a little longer, which was a shame because it was a phenomenal show, and uh, everybody was uh, very sad to see that go. Um, Then there were a couple of kind of things. You're talking about Spider Man? Uh, no on the town oh oh on the town no. i mean I, I, I didn't really experience spider-man I, I saw it a couple of times but i I wasn't sort of a part of the the team here at that stage it was more just observing that um so uh you know and it I think you know it was it had its difficulties and you know a show of that size is uh, is always going to be harder to to operate you know the running costs are higher and there's more on the line and um, you know that was a that was a big a big show and uh, mm-hmm. but you know there's lots of other stuff happening now and on the town has been and gone and um you know paramore came in there as a, as, as a show from Cirque du Soleil which was a uh kind of a broadway first for them a, a sort of a theatrical um circus event if you like which was again a, another great show and um they've moved on to other things and the theater's sort of going through refurbishment now so um this is so much great content out there you know and it's um it's great to see, I was just at the theatre last night watching a, an opening for a show, and it's just great to see, you know, the houses are full, people are loving it, and despite all of the uh, all of the crap that's going on in the world right now, that people can, you know, willingly choose to spend their money on, you know, good entertainment and just kind of forget to be secure and be entertained and have a wonderful time in, in the middle of, you know, one of the greatest places on earth.
0: Yeah, Spider Man was kind of uh, a flop when it first came out, or there was a lot of controversy surrounding it. I remember,
2: like someone. Yeah, I I don't really know the detail. I I believe there was some rewriting happening, or I I I wouldn't. I wouldn't really know enough on that. I'm afraid in, in the details to, to help that, but um, yeah, I know they did some reworking of, of that. I'm sure, and it was a very technical show. You know, there was a lot of flying, and I think there was some accidents and stuff, which was yeah, uh, that's what it was. So I think
0: it. I think like the original Spider-Man fell or something, right?
2: I can't. Yeah, know. I believe some something like that. And Nobody died. That's that much I do know. And that's always the uh, that's always the mantra nobody dies so, <laughs> yeah no one dies it's dies. a success people nobody, nobody dies
1: <laughs> do you have a favorite show that you ever worked on or just
2: seen? seen yeah uh wow i mean i think i think uh from my childhood uh, west side story was always that's a good one um the the soundtrack that i just Loved and, and it still gives me goosebumps when I when I hear that. But I think certainly in terms of what I've worked on, um, I worked on a show called Guys and Dolls. I don't know if you've come across that before.
1: Yeah, I actually um, saw my cousin in that show. My co- oh, not really? oh, not, no, not no the no. not the major one, just the oh, okay. one that yeah. she did. That was a good. Well, one. We
2: did that in uh, with uh, Ewan Gregor, um Jane Krakowski, and um, Doug Hodge and uh, Jenna Russell, and that was just. The most fantastic experience for everybody. I mean, we were blessed with, you know, a, a cast and a crew and and you know front of house staff and production staff that were just all so wonderful and also bought into creating this wonderful show that was directed by Michael Grandage and uh, you know designed by Christopher Orham, all of which were just you know and continue to be at the height of their game and and just so professional and. Um, it was an absolute privilege to work with those people, and just you know, Ewan is an absolute legend. He's he sort of set the bar really for um, you know having a very very fun and cool experience. And there were no you know there were no egos. There was it was just fun, and everybody got to know each other. And those those things don't really happen very much. And I think a lot of the the cast you know still keep in touch with each other. Um, I bumped into Jane actually bizarrely on the on the street. Um, a few months back at, at an event and um, I hadn't seen her in probably 10 or 12 years and sort of screamed on the street, well, what are you doing here? And, you know, it just, and that doesn't happen every day. And, you know, um, it's it's nice to have, you know, those special memories of something that isn't just another show that you're uh, creating and turning around. You know, it, 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 it had a successful run and uh, that's a part of getting up in the morning and going, yeah, I, I want to do this and I and I don't just want to, do it, I want to deliver it and make it fantastic and wonderful, you know.
0: Broadway shows, uh, yeah, like you make, you, you, you form a bond with these people and it's a lifetime bond, I'm sure. For uh...
2: You know, yeah, it's a similar thing to what we were saying about the Olympics though, you know. If, everybody, if everybody's doing their absolute best to make the show the best it can be, you know, that when you turn up as a customer that everything's clean and that you're served well and that you're greeted properly and it's special, then it makes the actors happier and they can concentrate on their performance. And it's the same thing, you know, it's the same thing as as the Olympic athletes coming onto the field of play to deliver their sports moment, you know, and and you're a part of giving them the best opportunity to to create and and to to deliver. And, And that's it's wonderful to to be able to give the team that ability and that, you know, to empower them to say, actually, yeah, I've I've worked with these people, and, and we did that, and there was nobody was like saying it was me, it was I, it was all we, and that's that's hard to create that stuff, you know, and, and it, but it needs it needs all the right ingredients there to make that happen, and it, when it happens, it's it's a, it has a wow factor, and and that's that show certainly did that as 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 did the Olympics.
1: Have you ever seen the Book of Mormon? I was just gonna
0: say that. I was just gonna say that. I've been meaning to go see the Book of and- Mormon.
2: I have, yeah. What did you think of it?
1: I I didn't see it yet. That's yeah. uh, that's why I asked. I um. Oh, you've me and got my girlfriend, go. yeah, you got we're supposed to. As long as you're go. not
2: in any way kind of like approved of any type, because it it has to go. I mean, the one thing I will say is that it has to go at every religion. It's yeah. just anyone. It's like, yep, yeah, we're all in it here, and we're all gonna get gonna get given a go so it's, uh, <laughs> i it's heard a, a lot of good show. things about it uh, and i heard it's a phenomenal s- show.
1: similar things yeah I, i've been wanting to go to it for probably two years now um just never actually had the chance to go so i'm definitely gonna try and get into yeah, it yeah. as soon as possible it's still, a, it's still a pretty hot
2: ticket i think so yeah
0: yeah yeah they're all broadway shows are really expensive i've been uh yeah
2: it's a it's a big um it's a big talking point and you know i, I find it interesting particularly with the you know, the sort of secondary market with how things get sort of uh, resold, if you like, that, um, you know, there's there's a lot of uh, debate about, you know, what prices should be. But, you know, these shows, are they're, they're very different to what they were 20, 30 years ago. They're a lot more technologically advanced and they cost a lot more to put on. And, um, you know, and there's, there's associated costs with that, that that bring that up. But it's certainly, you know, it is a much debated topic. But I think to be able to go and see stuff. And I would I would love that theatre would be more accessible and I don't think to how that might be possible. But I, I do believe that it is possible. But, you know, it, it is, it's a one-off occasion when you're sitting there, that show and those people, that's what you're there to see. And, and that isn't happening anywhere else at that time with those same people. And um, that's a very special moment. And you can watch a documentary or you can watch, you know, a movie of... of of a show or, or or a movie or whatever you know but there's nothing i don't think there's anything like that live experience where you you can feel those emotions on the stage and um that's you know that comes that comes at a price and unfortunately it is it isn't you know that cheap necessarily all the time but you you can still get some affordable tickets i think and um you know that everybody all the producers are trying very hard to make it as accessible as possible but you know at the end of the day they're, they're running businesses as well you know and they have to they have to pay the actors and they have to pay for the, the, the equipment and you know the, the the venues and what have you you know none of this comes for free so mm-hmm. they they try very hard to put that all in the balance and it's a it, it's a it's a hard task but um it's a very let would say it's a very common common debate at the moment is
1: hamilton still like the hottest ticket on Broadway?
2: No, so they say. Oh, apparently, um, apparently the Bruce Springsteen gig was was the Bruce Springsteen concert. I think it's essentially a concert. Um, apparently, that that kind of just swept the board with ticket demand for, I think it's quite a short engagement. Um, and that was the big, most expensive ticket in town for, for quite some time.
1: Yeah, because I knew it was almost like impossible to get tickets, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. It sold out almost instantly, I think. I don't think they could even... Even sort of put any on the, I'm sure they went on the resale market as as these things do, unfortunately. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, you you guys into a bit of Springsteen? He's I'm a sure. Jersey man, isn't
1: he? I mean, I like him. I mean,
2: he's
0: <laughs> not one of my favorites. Band. <laughs> he's actually he's actually in a show, like he stars in it.
2: Yeah, I think it's like a one man concert. I think it's just you know, uh, it's like a small theater, kind of very intimate. Mm-hmm. I, I, I guess he sort of does a bit of talking through, you know, him and his life or whatever. But um, essentially it's him, you know, strumming his guitar and bringing out some of the oldies. Ah, okay. That's what it is.
0: Do you have, I I was wondering, going back to pricing, like, do you ever have a say in like how the pricing goes or it's someone else's determining that? Yeah, I mean, the,
2: the producers generally kind of dictate what that looks like really. And, you know, some of it has to be dictated by, you know, the cost of the show and the overhead. That are associated with it so um you know and, and everybody clearly you know has to have a, a say in that in terms of making sure that it's affordable and um you know achievable so um it, but it's generally the the producers that kind of drive those decisions
0: yeah i got you awesome so what what are you i i know you don't want to give away too much but what are you up to now
2: well, just you know, just again, the plates are spinning. So uh, you know that I'm, I'm staying in theatre and uh, you know enjoying what I'm doing at the moment. And um, you know, there's there's always other things happening. I, I'm I kind of remain quite focused on you know the future still. But I think you know, uh, whereas years ago I would be kind of thinking what's going to be happening in ten years. I think everybody sort of looks at now you know what's going to happen in the next couple of years. And um, you know, at the moment I'm focused on staying in uh, New York and, and, you know, enjoying my time here and mm. seeing more of the U S that's another big part. You know, I've been, uh, I was obsessed with America as a kid and, uh, you know, um, all of the things that kind of come the embodiment of New York, if you like, was featuring heavy heavily with me over in the UK. And so to be over here, I really feel this is a precious opportunity now to, uh, you know, to, to really start to see, you know, more of the country and, um, you know, get the benefit of all of that. Besides there's, you know, so many people coming over from the UK as well. You never get a chance to be homesick, which is good. So, um, yeah, it's all good. I, I, I'd definitely like to keep you guys uh, updated as things move on and progress in, in the theatre world over here. Definitely. I
0: would love to uh, t- see a show eventually, if you're having one come out soon. I would definitely check yeah, well, out. Yeah, well, there's
2: there's always stuff going on, so uh, we'll, we'll keep you in all of that and uh, yeah.
0: Awesome. Do you have any social media or websites that you want the listeners to check out?
2: Uh, well, I'm on I'm on LinkedIn as as uh, Russell Miller. That's my kind of uh, main path, really, to, to engaging with anybody that, um, that that wants to sort of chat or do anything, really. Um, so yeah, I'm always always happy to uh, always happy to do that. Um, and then you know, as, as and when anything moves, I'll I'll keep you uh, updated as to where else to look for more information. You got something
1: um, oh, Sounds good. It mm-hmm. was really nice talking to you.
2: Oh, uh, and you guys. Thanks so much. So that was uh yeah, very very pleasant. Thank you.
0: Yeah, that was great. That was a quick hour. I can't believe it's 3:20 right now.
2: <laughs> well, I you once you get me started, that's it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right, Russ. Thank you. Um I'll be in touch with you though. I'll definitely talk to you soon.
2: Look forward to it. Yeah, let's try and catch up for a coffee or something or a beer or, or whatever and uh, see what's going on. I-, I definitely got some guys I'd like you to like you to meet up with and have a chat with and see if that helps you at all.
0: For sure. Sounds great. I would love to help you guys out in any way that I can too.
2: Fantastic. Thanks, fellas.
1: All right, Russ. I'll talk to you. Have a good one.
2: Take it easy. Cheers now. Cheers. Bye.
1: I love
0: that. I love saying cheers.
1: (laughs) I was saying to somebody actually yesterday, I was like, I want to use cheers more.
0: (laughs) Yeah, he always ends on the cheers. Like I spoke to him uh, last week. And it uh like twice and he ends on a cheers. He always ends on a cheers.
1: It could be used for anything too. It's not necessarily just like goodbye. It could be like hello, hello it could be thank yeah. you. It could be like you use for anything.
0: <laughs> yeah, it could be thank you too. Yeah. Cheers. <laughs> I wanted to uh, – I like having this other guy that I had on from London, he Niji. A day a Dale, I hope I said his right name definitely wrong, but uh <laughs> We had him. We had him on, and he talked. We like having them give like their New York accent.
1: Yeah, I actually heard that. I listened to that one.
0: Yeah, yeah, (laughs) I just love it because they just they just butcher it just the same way we butcher our. I was gonna say,
1: I feel like they're probably better at it than we are doing theirs, though. (laughs) I think so. Yeah.
0: It's exaggerated. It's yeah. Let me get some pizza. Like, grab me a slice. That's actually Australian. All right, he was cool, man. I w- oh, I just thought of a question too. Like I wanted to know, Always like, happens. yeah, I want to know, like, what controversy surrounds the the theater world? Like, what kind of stuff has he seen? Like, what kind of like? I'm sure, a lot of
1: it has to do with the pricing. I mean, that's I know a yeah. big issue.
0: I mean, like with actors, like that, do they like do they like want a lot of shit in their dressing rooms? And like, do they want?
1: And what happens if like? Where, why yeah, do we have questions I, I now? Know, I, you know. Know. I was gonna say, what happens if like the lead actor just like can't come into work the day of a show? I guess you have a backup lead actor. That's True. gotta be it, right? But like, what if Fuck. they're expecting to see somebody and that person's just not there?
0: <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, he listens to this and gives us those answers.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, he said we can get a coffee and chill and you know talk about some other stuff. So.
0: Yeah, I've been in New York a little lately, so I'll check him out.
1: Yeah. All
0: right. I think that's it, guys.
1: Another one in the books.
0: Yeah, that one. Won't, I, I say it every episode, but they all go fast. Yeah. All right, Mark. Do you have anything to tell the world?
1: Love everybody. You do? I do.
0: How much out of ten? Um, maybe like a one. No. Yeah, that's high. <laughs> It's a little too high. All right, world. If you're listening. This is Joe Rizzo signing off along with Marcus Nicholsonis. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye.